The views and opinions on this show do not necessarily reflect the views of ESPN Tucson 1490 and 104.9 FM or the Arizona Lotus Corporation. Got car trouble? Now's the time to talk with Jerry on the Simmons Car Care Shop Talk Show. Call in now at 719-1490. Well, if you're one of the millions who own one of them gas-drinking, piston clanking, air-polluting, smoke-belching, four-wheeled buggies from Detroit City, then pay attention. I'm about to sing your song, son. All right, welcome back to the second hour of the Simmons Car Care Shop Talk Show. I'm Jerry Simmons, your host, along with me, my co-host, Jim Mooney from Frontier Towing for all of your towing needs. Remember, if you need to get a hold of Frontier Towing, it's 520-748-1100. He's got a live person at the other end of that thing 24-7. So he never closes. That's when he's always here on Saturday morning. He's always working. He's a workaholic. All right, Jim. Good yes, morning sir. again. Good morning, Jerry. And now good, morning, you... good morning, everybody. Good morning, everybody. Remember, super it's safe it's, Saturday. It's it's coming. It's, <laughs> it's it's super safe Saturday. Jerry can't let me forget this. It's super safe Saturday. In case you're just joining us this morning, you're just waking up, get your coffee out, or your or your hot cocoa. Might be a good day for hot cocoa or coffee. Um, it's a uh, super safe Saturday. That means uh, and the gym shows in town, folks. There is traffic downtown like oh. nobody's business. I mean, it's traffic galore. And there are signs directing you 73 different directions and guaranteed it's going to confuse you. And it confuses me, and I do it for a living, folks. So, and there's and people driving slow, looking, looing everywhere. So there's people walking, walking their dogs, bicycling. Traffic is comes to a standstill. So be patient, very patient. Watch out for the, for the people walking. Walking around the gym show area, crossing the roads, just, I mean, and just crossing the road. They're not looking for you. They just walk right in front of you. And I know, it seems like you're just throwing your hands up thinking, really? Could you not see me? Nope. Didn't even look at you. Just walked right across the road, right in front of you. That's what that's what we mean when I talk about being aware of your surroundings. That is what you got to be watching out for today and next week. It's the next couple weeks. Gym show is going to inundate our lives. Um, bicyclists or people pushing carts around, whatever's going on. Um, so heads up, be super safe. And if you decide not to go to the gym show, and you're going to stay at home, and you're going to you're listening to Jerry, and you're going to get out and change your battery. Remember, hood prop. I can't not express how important a hood prop is. 
I don't know how many times the hoods hit me in the head because I always think I know better, but you know, I don't. And, and gravity always takes its toll and, you know, reminds <laughs> me that the, yeah, the pneumatic shocks need to be replaced while I'm doing the battery. I need to go get pneumatic shocks too, because the hood falls on my head. So hood props, uh, disconnect your battery. Use, use safety goggles, especially when bat with batteries, because uh, you never know when they're going to do, going to go, um, uh, jack stands, Floor jacks and jack stands if you're working on your tires and wheels. No loose clothing if you're working during a running motor. And you don't want your necktie to become a uh, noose. So, anyways, that's my story, Jerry. Uh, hopefully, I covered it all this morning. You did. You did. The main thing is just you have to think safety on an automobile. If you don't, you're going to get hurt. You're going. It may be something as simple as skinning a knuckle, which is automotive. Uh, you can skin a knuckle, but knuckles is not very life-threatening. But if you're working on the hood and you've got long hair, and a lot of them do, a lot of people do, and they work on the, their cars and stuff, put it in a hairnet, put it in a rubber band or something, keep it out of the engine compartment as much, keep it behind your head and out of the engine compartment. Uh, when you're checking these things, like if you have uh, the little fans, a lot of cars, when they shut down, you'll hear a fan running. Well, they're still doing their job, and they're cooling down the, the liquid and stuff. And they will run after you shut a car off. And some of them, you shut a car off, and then you're on the hood, and you just shut it off real quick, and you're there, and all of a sudden the fan comes back on. Make sure your hands, make sure you know what you're working on. Assume the fan's going to come on. Okay, and that'll help you, uh, you know, avoid some of the aggravation that's involved there. Uh, that's very good. That's really good. Really uh, good. That those those fans, electric fans, can come on and they will they will cause you all kinds of havoc and without even without even knowing it. And if you, it is you know so what? fast. It's, it's so fast, and and they even though they're plastic, they'll slice your fingers like nobody's business. And if you just can't stomach it anymore, go to Simmons, 3743 South Country Club Road. They're open from 7 to 5. Give them a call, 580-824-0217. If you just don't want to stomach working on a car anymore, and trust me, folks, you I know it seems fun, but there gets a point in time when you just don't want to deal with it because <laughs> I've been there. So. That's right. Or you can or you can no longer deal with it because the batteries are bigger than the old engines used to be. Uh and if you out in the traffic and you do have a a, a wreck or you you know unfortunate a fender bender or you bump a mailbox or something like that, you need this vehicle taken care of. You need the body work done on it. You need the paint job done on it. Spectrum Ina Road Auto Collision. 520-744-4454. 520-744-4454. They're located at 4425 West Ina Road. So if you crash your vehicle and you have Frontier Tow and Pick It Up, tell them you want to send it over to Javier at uh, Spectrum Ina Road Auto Collision. They were voted number one in the state 2018, and I think 2019. I haven't seen anything because of COVID, 2021. Blah. So, uh, but seven four four forty four fifty four. They're located forty four twenty five West Ina Road. Excellent shop. Matches the paint. If you've got blistered roof, 
and you want it uh, painted, but you don't want to paint the whole daggone car, they can match the paint. Everything's computerized anymore, and they can match your paint, and they do a brilliant job on it. And then when you get it back, because I found out that when they do it, they also detail the rest of the car. So the bottom looks as good as the top. And so you're, you're it, it's one of these wow. So Spectre Minor Road Auto Collision, 520-744-4454. And for you weekend warriors, we're talking about brakes in the first hour. Merrill's Auto uh, is just a little bit more than just a parts counter. They have equipment. They have uh, specialty tools. And they also have a machine shop. It's located on West Ajo, 520-807-4010. So if you've got drums or rotors or flywheels that need to be turned, give them a call down there at 520 520- 807-4010 and see if they can get you in and get you out today. Because most of the weekend warriors, the reason they call them weekend warriors is because they need that vehicle to go to work on Monday morning. So they want to make sure that they can get it done when they're working on it so that they won't have. For a word of caution, a little advice from professionals, <laughs> make sure your parts are available Make sure that you can get. Now, the COVID-19 changed a whole lot of stuff. So make sure, call down and see if they have the clutch pack for your particular car or if they have a rotor or if they have a drums and make sure they have brake shoes for them. This sounds stupid, but trust me, don't assume nothing. You need parts, you call and see if it's even available before you take that vehicle apart and leave it on stands in the middle of your driveway and you can't come up with nothing, you've already th- you've either thrown the other parts away or they're so beat up you don't want to put them back on, and now you have to go rent a car to go to work on Monday morning. Make sure you verify your parts are available for the job that you are attempting to do on a weekend. I have worked, I have I used to do uh, Saturday mornings. Man, I've got to do this, and, you know, this was before I become a garage owner. And actually, I was working on stock cars. And um, you get ready, and you think, okay, i got to rip this off. Man, I'm in a hurry. i got this thing done. i got to race tonight. And so everybody's scrambling around there, and then you get everything taken apart, and then you jump in your truck, and you go down to Merle's to pick up the parts that you need to make this thing go. Uh, we don't have it right now. I can locate it for you, but we won't be in for about two hours. Or some some story like that. Well, now you're down or you've got to start scrambling to try every other parts house in the world to try to find parts to get you out of a jam. Well, little pre, little pre-planning makes a big difference on automotive. You can't build a house without a plan. You can't work on an automotive, automobile without a plan. I don't care if you've been a, a technician for 40 years. If that technician sits down in a little on a little stool and sitting there looking at the, his work before he ever starts, that's the planning process. He needs to know what needs to come off, what needs to stay on. Can I do this without pulling this part off? And it's a process that's involved here. And then if it's electronics, he'll probably be sitting on the computer, the shop computer on the uh, technical data computer, pulling information off, checking technical service bulletins, that is a plan. 
That is what he knows that he has to do. Or you can do it the Columbus method. You discover a key and land on it. That is expensive. As Brian Fuller will tell you, test first, don't guess. But you have to have a plan. That test first, don't guess is a plan. If you go through and you test first, don't guess and make sure you got everything, all your little ducks lined up, then you're going to have a successful repair. If not, you're going to be have a headache from that you won't be able to explain to your wife. And by the way, judging an automotive repair by cuss words don't always work. <laughs> and, <laughs> As my brother will tell you, all it does is make you mad, and then you lose your train of thought, and then you're really in trouble. So keep that in mind while you're working on these things. You bust a knuckle, that's what you have a first aid kit for in your garage. You, you get the first aid kit and fix it up. Um, so, you you know, that that's my other little thing for this morning. All right, Jim. And and you make a great point. It's... Um... Don't start the repair at 4.30 thinking you're oh, going to no. get the part before 5. <laughs> if you do and you get down there and if they have it, you may be lucky, but you may find that they're closed before you get there because that's really poor planning. Or you find they you get there and they don't have it, and now you're, it's 5 o'clock at night, it's dark, and you're trying to figure out how to fix the car. So that That doesn't work either, so... If you're gonna if you're gonna tackle it, like Jerry said, get a plan together, start on it, and then and see what happens. If, and don't tear it down until you find the parts, and verify that you got the right parts. I mean, that's the one I always get. I get the wrong part because I I didn't tell them the yep. right part. So so now I got to go make two trips. Well, that's that's not very effective. That's not very effective, but it happens. So and if you have uh, parts anymore. When you take a, a vehicle into Ford Motor Company, General Motors, Dodge, Chrysler, whatever, and you say, okay, this is under warranty. I want the starter replaced. Starter's bad. It needs to be, but it's under warranty. Okay, they'll replace that starter under warranty. Is it the same OE that the original starter was? Is it the same original equipment out of that batch of starters that went on that brand-new vehicle? Most likely, no, it's not. Okay, so you'll get another starter, and then all of a sudden here, prematurely, you may have a failure on it, and you say, boy, this is crazy. What's going on here? Well, it's they're designed to last past the warranty area, and then it's on you. Uh, Built-in obsolescence has been around since cars have. I mean, if they made them last forever, you would never buy another car. Just And that's just business. I mean, they have responsibility to the stockholders and stuff like this. So you have to understand how the grand scheme of things work. You know, about the only thing you can do is sit there and watch the paint fade. But that brings up another little issue. How about your paint fading? What can you do to keep your paint from fading? You can call Spectrum Ina, and you can ask those guys, uh, call any paint and body, but, you know, I like to use Spectrum because they shoot straight with me. 527-444-4454, ask Javier, how do I keep my paint from blistering? How do I keep my car, what do you recommend for keeping it clean? Oh, my gosh, I call, he makes my hair hurt when I call him because I think that I do a pretty good job at keeping mine up. 
only to find out that I'm not doing a pretty good job keeping mine up. And then, voila, I got to paint the head of a, the roof line on the 06 Dodge because I was keeping the bottom of it. And one, the 06 Dodge hood was higher than my head and I couldn't see it. I didn't realize, you know, I'd spray water on it and try to wash it the best I could. But I found out that, no, you need to just get your hind end up in the bed of the truck and you need to spend some time on that hood because that it, that bad boy gets a lot of sun, direct sunlight. And sure enough, I had the little bald spots up there, and sure enough, I had to have it painted. And um, then then it was fine, but that was not cheap. It cost around 500 bucks to have that hood paint, the top painted. And then most of the time, it takes the hood of the car and the top of the car. Their sides are perfect, and so you have to spend that. Well, that gets a little more expensive. I can run up to around 1800 and so you can, there's wax, you hand wax it. You don't put the wax on the rubber components on the window, window seals where they're rubber. You don't put the wax on the, on the rubber because the wax will cause the rubber to harden and crack. So, and that's straight out of the horse's mouth over the Spectrum Minor Road Auto Collision. Uh, when you're detailing your car, you do it yourself as you're washing your car. You use the car wash that doesn't have the wax all in one in it. And people, if you do, don't wash. When you're washing it by hands, don't put it on the rubber components. And it, it takes a lot longer to do it when you have to do it that way. I mean, normally you just go grab your brush and stick it in a bucket of water with a cleaner in it, and then you just start scrubbing it. Do not use Dawn dishwashing liquid. Do not use Ajax dishwashing liquid or any dishwashing liquid. It's a different design and it will screw your paint job up. Do not use that stuff. You know, they have all sorts of stuff at Merrill's in a uh, uh, chemical line that are for grease spots, a road tar and stuff like that that will take the tar off that won't take the paint off with it. That's what you want to use. You can use the other, but it will start, it's like a cancer. It'll just start, it just keeps going and going and going. And then you've got to repaint the whole daggone thing. So I'm telling you, and if you use on the rubber components, on your door seals, now a lot of people have the SUV with the rear trunk lid, you can get a bottle of windshield wiper fluid, which has a UV protection in it. Put it out on a clean rag and wipe down the seals around the deck lid on the car. Wipe down the seals on the door of the car. And you can use it on the rubber on, around the window seals. You can use it on that. And you can use it on your windshield wiper, the wiper blades. And it will last longer and perform better and it will not damage the material that you're working with. There's a lot of cars you can drive down the road in, and you hear a little whistle coming through the door. Well, that whistle is just a leak around the seals because the seals have lost their pliable. In other words, they don't seal proper. So wipe the door jams down when you're doing it yourself, and make sure that you wipe down the uh, rubber seal around there. It's designed to collapse and seal everything off. If you'll do that, you'll find out your car runs tighter, 
sounds better, don't irritate you to death, and you don't have to sit there and, well, I wonder what that squeak is coming out of the back of this thing. And it'll wind up being that little rubber seal, that little hind end, that big rubber seal that goes around that expando lid that comes up. It's like a minivan, same same process. If you'll do that, it'll save you a lot of grief and it'll save you a lot of aggravation and it'll save you premature wear. Because if you get dust on a rubber seal that's compressed in, that's designed to flex, you put dust on that, why don't you just put a piece of sandpaper on it and let it go ahead and grind off the paint on the inside of your door? And for most of us that's had the older cars, and we didn't know that you're supposed to wipe the seals on the doors off. We're in a hurry. We want to get it washed. And then you drive down the road, and the, the car doors have got three hitches. You've got two up front, hold the car door on. Then it's got a um, one where the latch goes over. And all of that moves. Well, you got dirt on the inside of these rubber gaskets that's sitting there acting like a piece of sandpaper against your paint job on this vehicle. That's the way you keep them healthy anyway. There's a lot of stuff on the market uh, that you can get. Uh, I do recommend that you call call Spectrum and see what they recommend. Find out about the, the, the do's and don'ts and what you use and what you don't use for paint preservation. So then you'll be happy you did. You'll be happy you did. Your car's going to look better. And there was a... Uh, a study done on a dirty car versus a clean car and as far as fuel economy. And they said up to 5 to 10% fuel economy on a clean car that don't have all the mud and junk and uh, resistance on the outside. And I look at it and say, you know, that must be something to it because I know NASCAR used to buy a special uh, uh, topical and put on the cars before everybody went to wrap. They used to buy this stuff and put it on the paint, and then they would test this thing in a wind tunnel to find out how much more or how much less resistance there was with this coat of, for lack of a better word, wax was put on these NASCARs, and they use different brands, different different style stuff in order to make these cars pick up a half a mile per hour on a two-mile track. But it's real critical to keep the vehicle clean, uh, pay attention to it, and you should, you should be good to go. You should be good to go. But cleaning a car, and I'm not going to take it into car wash because I can clean it myself in 15 minutes. Why do I need to pay them? Because they probably clean the door jams. They do it the car wash I use anyway. They clean the door jams. They clean the seals. Wipe the seals down. Wipe the interior down. Uh, they still haven't figured out how to keep the streaks off the inside of the windshield. You can see that when the sun comes up. But uh, normally a rolled up newspaper or a newspaper with the fiber in it does an excellent job on cleaning that. But that's a pain in the butt. You've got to be a contortionist to get in there and get it out. So. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. What would you like to add, Jim? Yeah, the you know the you talk about the rubbers on the on the door seals. Um, I didn't know how how really critical it was to wipe them down. Um, the dirt not only um, keeps a seal from not working, but it 
it degrades the seal, and then the seal just you you've seen it, you know, the seal just wore out or gets crummy and won't seal no more, and then you get that wind leak. And they didn't understand that just wiping the seal down, wiping the little seal down, just quickly makes a huge difference on how much how much longer the seal will actually last. Plus, mm-hmm. the bottom of the door, I always inside the door jam gets dirty. Don't ask me why. Guess it's to the road. Maybe it doesn't seal right, but that's always nasty. And get your foot on it all the time. I always catch my pant leg, and it always gets my pants covered in dirt. Um, but yeah, the simple the simple act of of maintaining the 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 door jam seal is uh, much more uh, critical than you think. And or you can buy new ones. You know they're not cheap, um, and some of them are not real easy to change. They got a bunch of little plastic clips, and it, it can be quite quite the ordeal. So wiping wiping the seals down really really good tip. Really good tip. You know, uh, when I was talking to Scott the other day over at Parker, and he was talking about UVs, he says, people, UVs, and if you've ever owned a a vehicle or anything that has rubber component in it, UVs will eat a tire, the rubber on a tire, and they will also eat anything else on your vehicle that's rubber. You know, like the uh, boots on your drive axles up front. And this is another reason why you need to take it in when you get a oil service. Uh, those guys will take a look at those boots because if you have a drive axle boot that is leaking and it leaks the grease out, according to the manufacturer of that axle, you have eight hours of driving time. That's eight hours of driving time, whether you drive it 15 minutes a day or you drive it eight hours a day. You have eight hours of driving time before you start having additional wear and tear on the inside of that because you've lost the lubricant and the lube that's in there is contaminated. So those are really critical. And uh, I don't know how many of us had to replace. I had the privilege of replacing a drive axle recently, but that's not a cheap operation. And when you find out that the boot was ripped off of it and it was contaminated and that's the reason it goes out, then you'll understand why I say inspect your boots on your car and make sure they have grease in them. They don't have a liquid in it. So you actually have to look up in there and see if you've got grease coming out or if you've got a tear in these boots. Keep in mind, it's just a rubber boot. You can go through these uh, a wash uh, where water's running, you can hit a chunk of wood or something in there and puncture the seal, the rubber boot, and then it's, but you're in water already, so, you know, it don't take a rocket scientist to figure out you've just contaminated it with muddy water inside. When I say mud, mud is sand, gravel, uh, dust, the little components and stuff. It's just, it's just a minute, it's a Yuma board job. In other words, it's got dust. And for the ones of you that are driving with your windshields, if you'll notice when you you go up, you hit a haboob going up freeway, and all of a sudden it's right on top of you, and you're running 65 miles an hour. Well, when you get back home, you notice that your windshield doesn't seem as clear as it used to be. And so you wash it off real good, and then you go out, and then the sun picks it up, and here's all these little pits in your windshield. 
that is actually covered by your insurance if you have glass coverage uh, because that presents a problem because it gives you more light hitting your windshield because the pits, instead of reflecting it, it actually holds it. And so it makes it driving uh, rough. Uh, it's just not safe. That's the reason the insurance companies will replace that. If you have a chip in a windshield, for all you lucky people out there that went through this little cold snap we had last week or week and a half ago, uh, you probably picked up more of a chip, a more of a crack on that windshield because these little chips have a tendency to when you have cold and heat, the, the glass and a chip, it allows it to expand. And when it expands, that's when you get these big cracks across the windshield. Don't ever pour hot water to get the ice off a windshield. Never. I've seen them where they all of a sudden they just look like they're just blown up. I mean, they crack all the little bitty things because the windshield is designed not to splinter. It's designed just to break up. So don't ever use hot water when you're clearing the ice off the windshield. Um, okay, what do you want to add on that, Jim? Yeah, that's I've I've seen that done. Uh, hot water, throw it on a windshield and on a on a frosty windshield, and it, it looked it looked like it, uh, like it was stained glass. It just had cracks through the whole thing. It was a, it just it just shattered it into a million little pieces. I was like, oh, that was interesting. So yeah, better way just let it warm up by your defrost a little bit at a time, or maybe some cold water. Maybe you should use icy cold water on because it's probably cold water is obviously colder than or warmer than frozen water. So I don't know. Maybe maybe cold water would work better. Although it will freeze again. This is part of the problem. So. Um, yeah, they they recommend you just using regular tap water, cold tap water. Cold tap water. That way, yeah, but it'll get, freeze again. Don't get extreme. Sure, it will. Yeah, it'll it'll freeze again, so you're going to do it twice. So, you, so but that's okay. Yep, that's when you better fire it up. Windshield. <laughs> yep, you turn it on and let it warm up and thaw. I try to start mine the other morning. I run across that, and uh, I took the cold water out. Tap water poured across. Actually, I used a garden hose, and it wasn't frozen, so I, I got lucky. And I squirted the water hose on it, and then I turned the wiper on after I seen the ice melt down, and then it was fine. Then it was fine. But I backed it out of the driveway, drove it down the road, and all of a sudden I've got it looked like a fog across the windshield. What little bit on there wasn't dry, but it fogged up, and it just blocked the windshield. So I turned the wiper on then with the water, and it come on, and I, then it got worse. I had to stop on the side, pull off the side of the road and wait until I could see before I could continue to drive. So a little, little pre-planning works pretty good, but don't assume you got it all on the first shot. You know, if you're looking for a pre-owned vehicle, let's say you decided you're going to trade vehicles and you want another vehicle, like Scott was referring to, you can go to lensautobrokerage.com, go to their website, and find out, and you can see their inventory of what they've got. And then if you find the vehicle that you want to go test drive or go kick a tire, uh, they're located at 2101 North Stone Avenue, 
and 628-7500, prefix 520, of course. And you can go in and buy one. But if you're buying a pre-owned vehicle, you need to take a look at the vehicle that you are selling. Now, I have got rid of cars because I didn't like them. I've got rid of cars because it was time to get rid of a car, and I wanted another car. Okay, fine. But if you feel the necessity to get one, what you want to do is have a pre-purchase done on your own vehicle before you get rid of it because you may be able to get it put back the way you want it, including paint job for about $3,500 with a paint job, and you can get the mechanical fixed. If you like the vehicle that you're driving and you say, well, it's got just little things after little things after little things after little things, people, after 100,000 miles, you're going to have those little things. And normal, and normally they are a normal wear item or... It's 100,000 miles, and, yeah, you probably need a, uh, a set of shocks or uh, spark plug wires or, or something. And when you take it in and have a pre-purchase done on it, tell them that you're, I'm, I'm thinking about getting rid of it and trading it because I'm tired of putting money in it. Just have a pre-purchase thing done on it and find out if you're going to be jumping out of the frying pan into the fire. Because a pre-owned vehicle has been around a while, and unless you're fortunate enough, like I was, to get all the service records on the one that I purchased, uh, you don't know what was done to it, when it was done. You know, people say, yeah, I changed the oil. Well, the oil interval on it is supposed to be around 5,000 miles because we're in severe duty uh, country, and they were changed at 7,500. Or they bought the vehicle and it says there's a 10,000-mile oil change on it. Okay, so you drive a vehicle 10,000 miles and 10,000 miles and 10,000 miles. And when you get up around 100,000 miles on that thing, uh, you got a vehicle that is subject to go bye-bye. Uh, Honda in 06, 07, they had the extended drain intervals. I think at that time it was 7,500. They had so many problems with their engine. They backed the oil change intervals down on those particular cars to 3,000 miles. Did you see that anywhere in the news? Nope. I called my brother-in-law who owned a Honda dealership in South Carolina, and I said, what's the deal? He says, they won't take a 7,500-mile oil change. They wear out, and around 60, the engine does. And that's a Honda. They're supposed to go around 300,000. And they found out by changing the oil at 3,000 miles on these cars, then it extended the life of the cars. So they changed the new ones, and they were down to 5,000 on a brand new one. And everybody and their brother now is using synthetic on these cars or a semi-synthetic. Semi-synthetics, as soon as I go to the first oil change on a brand new, brand new vehicle, I put full synthetic in it. I don't care. If synthetic, if it's it, synthetic is really good, well, or uh, partial synthetic, a blend, if that's really good, then I'm going to use the full synthetic. I have been testing synthetic oil since 1982. I still use synthetic oil. I like the way that it moves through cold weather, the pour value. In other words, you're pouring it out of a can. It'll flow better at 30 degrees below zero than a 
paraffin base, which is wax, will flow at 30 degrees above. That's a 60-degree swing. And I'm going, okay. So, And now with everything, with the turbos, you're servicing turbos. If you change your whatever the, the uh, viscosity is and you have a turbo, I highly recommend you stay with exactly what the manufacturer recommended on that because you're servicing a turbo. And they, if you service the turbo correctly, you will automatically service the engine correctly. So stay with that. Don't be don't be jacking around with uh, viscosity changes on oil changes on cars. And if you've got a car that's run 140,000 miles, 150,000 miles, it doesn't burn any oil. You've been using a paraffin-based, good quality paraffin-based oil, which a lot of them out there are really good. Stay with it. Don't go, well, I want to go to synthetic because what I'm going to do is I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to pick up that extra gas mileage and life is going to be good. Well, paraffin is a wax, and there's not as as much paraffin in these oils as they used to be because they were causing issues. So the oil quality has upgraded. The main thing on oil for anybody that's in the industry and most people have learned it the hard way. Uh, some of the seniors have learned it. They've learned that you can't put 50 weight in a 2020. Can't, can't run the racing oil in it like you did in your 55 Chevrolet. <laughs> and you, you, you protect everything, but the number one problem with engine oil, you don't change it. You don't change it. Oh, any liquid in a car will wear out. Oh, I had a guy from the University of Arizona that works in the uh, telescope lab tell me that, all right, now, this is how it works. Most of your telescope, uh, telescope labs or telescopes, are they have a used oil base on them because the molecules in used oil lay flat. That will handle slow movement. The round molecules in new oil will handle RPMs and engines. So when you're used motor oil, it will always have a lubricant in it, but it can be contaminated, and you need to change it just to get the contaminants out of it. But the oil itself will service an engine. It, all of a sudden, you have nothing with it, no detergent in it like they had back in the 40s and 50s. And it's going to wear it out. So the main thing from everybody that I've talked to, and I ask them point blank, what's the biggest problem with an oil change? And they'll tell you lack of. People don't do it on time. They'll go in a severe duty state, i.e. Arizona, and they will change the oil. The oil is supposed to be changed at 10,000 miles, and according to the owner's manual, well, they uh, changed it at 10,000 miles, 100,000 miles. They got a piece of junk or almost a piece of junk. And so it depends on what you, the environment that you drive it in. And if you take it out to the snow or if you have it garaged 12 months out of the year and you drive it just enough to keep the battery up, you're going to get longer drain intervals. But if as a general public and a general rule, you change it. If you you go to severe duty in your owner's manual 
And that's what you want to use in Arizona. The only thing we don't have in Arizona in the 10 category, 10 category of severe engine qualifications is extreme colds like you have in Wisconsin, Montana, up north, and excessive rain, excessive moisture. Arizona, we very seldom do where we get rain. So those are the only two that we don't qualify for under extreme. The rest, the heavy, uh, the extreme heat, uh, the dirt, the dust, the wind, and everything that's being blown into your filters, uh, that's a player. So just go to do yourself a favor. Go to your extreme duty and service it because that's the number one protection of your engine and your transmission and your differential is the fluid needs to be changed. Now, when talking to Scott again, and I said, what's your recommendations on uh, transmission fluid? And he said, we change them at 36,000 miles. And that, that, if you'll do the transmission fluid, and I, oh, I remember them saying, you, this is a lifetime. You don't have to ever change the fluid in the transmission. No, because once again, I think that goes to marketing a little bit. Well, it's a sealed unit. I don't care if it's sealed. It still has to rotate. The oil has to rotate. Uh, the transmission fluid has to rotate. It gets hot when you're pulling. It gets hot when you're climbing mountains. It cools down when you're going down mountains. So you got that temperature swing in there. And uh, transmissions, you know, they're 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 inexpensive. They're only twenty five, thirty five hundred dollars. Uh, most of them are around the $3,500 now because they're 8 speeds, 10 speeds, 6 speeds, and all of that. So change the fluid if it's liquid and it's in a car. And that includes power steering fluid. That includes brake fluids. Brake fluid should be changed. Even the manufacturers admit now. Change your brake fluid at every two years. Okay? So there's your information on that. And you can Google it. You can look it up. You can do all that stuff if you've got plenty of time, and that's all you want to do is go in there and Google all this stuff. Go right ahead, and you will find out that we're pretty close on this. And owning a business for 48 years, like Simmons, uh, we have seen everything that you can throw at us. I mean, we work on all models of cars. Well, we don't work on a lot of your foreign cars because – the technical data is not privy to the independent unless you buy a like a eighteen hundred to two thousand dollar subscription or 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 you can buy a temporary where you can just get this or that and you can make the call. But it's a hundred to two hundred and fifty dollars every time you do that. So we just pick the ones we can get the information on and besides we're so busy, we, we stay busy with four wheel drives and Jeeps and all of that. So we don't really worry about it. You can't fix everything on the road. And we do work on light diesels, too. We stay with diesels because diesel is actually hard to get worked on. And uh, you just, you know, you have to stay with them to find out what your clientele has had over the years. And then they get a diesel. And so then you, you start taking care of diesels. But the number one thing on a diesel is service. If you don't service the diesel people, you're going to hate your life. And because those things, the biggest problem with the turbos, as Brian Fuller will tell you also, and so will Parker, 
is idle time. Idle time on a job, idle time while you're working, not actually using a diesel for what it's designed to do. If so, you're idling and it's wiping out everything that the engine has done to try to clean it up. Exhaust gas now, the systems are anywhere from 1000 to 5000 Brian run across one, it cost him 7000 to get it fixed. And there and it's because and I asked him what causes it. He says idle time, idle time. It's it was a fleet and they spend most of their time idling, and it just doesn't accept it anymore. They're not like the old diesels used to be, where you pull over on the side of the road and sleep three hours or an hour or two hours and let the diesel run. Uh, these things they will run that long. Some of them will actually run for ten minutes and shut down. But you're not supposed to idle it more than ten minutes on your diesels for your diesel owners out there. And mine, if I start my diesel on remote start in the morning, I like to start it up called one. I like it to at least be halfway bearable when I get in it and sit down. Uh, if I forget that it's running and I all of a sudden I forget I've got other things I've got to do, I've got to fill up my coffee cup or whatever, and it runs more than 10 minutes, I go out there and that diesel motor is off. It automatically shuts off at 10 minutes. No activity, that thing shuts off at 10 minutes on a remote start. So it, it, somebody's figured something out, and that's good. That's, that's, that'd be good on it. Uh, but Parker Automotive, they're located at uh, 5101 East Speedway, uh, 520-323-1960. I'm going to try to get Scott to come on the radio program next weekend, depending on his schedule, but it's kind of set up for the 11th, well, the 11th of February is what I'm shooting for on Scott. We'll get Scott in and pick his brain. Um, Merle's Automotive. The big shop, they have 10, 10 locations in and around Tucson, and then they have them scattered all over the state. They've got them at um, Green Valley. They've got them in Sierra Vista. They've got them in Morancy. They've got them in Globe. They've got them in Casa Grande. Um, and they all bleed into the warehouse. The warehouse uh, over on Dodge Boulevard is the monster warehouse. That's a supply for them. And I understand that uh, from my son, I think it was, is telling me that um, they are gradually migrating over to the Napa brands. You can get Napa brands from Merrill's Auto Parts now. Uh, I guess a big conglomeration actually purchased Merrill's, and uh, and they're part of the same conglomeration that owns Napa, so they're blending them in. Napa has a good quality parts people. And uh, they're going to keep the same counter people, which is service at a counter, but the guys under the counter is what I like about Merle's. Uh, availability of parts, I can't blame that on Merle's because they have a huge warehouse. They ha they order, and the suppliers still haven't got up to 100% from COVID, and they're doing the best they can do. That's the reason when you take a vehicle in and the guy looks at you and says, I could probably have it done today if parts are available. And that's realistic expectations. I mean, if you're working on anything else, you probably already found that out also. But Merle's, I call them the real deal. 
you know, that just a real deal. So MerrillsAuto.com is where you want to go to find your store locations nearest you. And as I said in the 6 o'clock hour, they also have equipment and they have specialty tools that you can buy along with a little machine shop service. So you can call Merrill's and get everything done that you want to. MerrillsAuto.com. Lens, I started talking about then and got transferred off. I think it's because of brain fade or something. But no, if you're looking for a used vehicle, go to LensAutoBrokerage.com. If you're looking for an RV, go to DesertRV.com. And they specialize in toy haulers, and you can find out. And they've got used and brand new everything at DesertRV.com. Of course, my buddy down at Automotive Specialist, Brian Fuller, Mr. Test First Don't Guess, 3611 West Ina Road, Suite 101, Meredith and Ina in the Bookman's Plaza. Business phone is 520-572-1734. Brian's cell number is 520-237-3852. Mr. Test First Don't Guess means it. I mean, he just screams and hollers because he just thinks that people, if they're test first, it'd save a lot of money. He's exactly correct and also gets the job done right the first time. Uh, good shop. Uh, he can do all the computer um, reprogramming right there. He has all of the, the dealership computers, and he's a, he's a diagnostician, one of the best in the country. Ryan Fuller, automotive specialist. Uh, okay, I think I'm caught up now. Oh, Parker Automotive is uh, 520-323-1960. All right, go, Jim. Uh, don't forget about Simmons Automotive Repair at 3743 South Country Club, 520 4217 Simmons Automotive and Driveline. The driveline's up to, what yep. is it, Jerry, nine inches? A nine-inch driveline? Nine and a half folks, inches. Did you have if you have to buy a nine-inch nine, diameter driveline, if you have to buy a nine-inch diameter driveline, that's some serious. That is some serious work. There is nothing about a nine-inch diameter drive shaft that comes cheap, or light for that matter. I don't care if it's aluminum. A nine-inch diameter drive shaft is for a big piece of equipment. That is gargantuan. But you joints alone must weigh a hundred pounds. So you know when you're spinning a mass. <laughs> I mean, they I couldn't imagine. I mean, that's, that, that's crazy. They're mining equipment. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. So on the and also Simmons does uh, drive all drive shafts. You know they'll take a look at anything. And we fixed drive shafts that had the non-serviceable U joints in them that you couldn't change the U-joints in them, uh, that you have to buy new drive lines. I've seen them cut the ends of them off of them in the drive shaft shop, put in the, the U-joints that goes to the unit, and put it in a, uh, a changeable where you can actually change it out. Uh, if Another thing on drive lines is lube. If you have a CV drive shaft, and that's the ones like on the front end of four befores and some of them on the back end of four befores. And you go to lube the U-joints. So let's say you're fortunate enough to have the U-joints in them that lube. 
keep in mind there are uh, drive shaft lube. I mean a U joint lube on that one end. There's two U joints. You lube both of them, and then inside the CV coupler where you will have to dig out because the road debris covers it up, and it's a flat grease dirt in there. You have to have a little special end that you can buy at Merrill's, put it on the end of your grease gun, and go in, clean that thing off, and be sure to grease that. Because when you when you bring it into Simmons and we rebuild these things, everything is clean, and you can see them all your U-joints will be lined up so you don't have to rotate the shaft, and it'll be lined up with that little CV flat zert where you could grease all three of them. The biggest thing we see on CV drive shafts is no lube in the ball joint, which is up there where it rotates on the center with that little Mickey Mouse flat uh, grease zert in there that you have to lube. And these things are done at least when you have an oil change. And if you've got them, and then, of course, we have permanent uh, sealed U-joints, which is probably one and a half times more expensive, but they say you never have to use those. No, you don't have to lube them. You can let them run 100, 125,000 miles and let them go ahead and explode on you, but there's no way to lube them. So for the people out there that are driving 100,000-mile vehicles that's been using them to work, inspect your U-joints because there's a world of difference in us changing out your U-joints on that vehicle or you bringing that drive shaft in and let us put a U-joint in it than it is for that U-joint ripping out, coming out on the freeway and tearing the crap out of the bottom of your car or bottom of your pickup, gas tank, brake lines, fuel lines. It's all a player. So at about 100,000 miles, if you've got permanent, most of the vehicles now are coming out with permanent U-joints, at about 100,000 miles, you can run it by Simmons and have somebody come out and slide it under the vehicle with a creeper, and he'll take a look at it and see if there's any dust. If you spot dust on the edge of a cap on a drive shaft, that thing is coming apart. It starts with the dust. It goes with a squeak. Then it goes with a click. Then it goes with a clunk. And most of the time when it's at the click stage, it's starting to vibrate. Drive shafts will start vibrating at around 42 mile an hour. And if you are do-it-yourselfer and you're pulling your drive shaft out because you've got another little project going like a transmission swap or something, pull the cap very gently off of the trunnion on the U-joint. Pull it off because if you lose all those little needles, you're going to spend a half a day putting them all back. Once you get it off, set it down out of the way so that you won't knock it over. Take a a paper towel, wipe off the trunnion. If that trunnion has scar marks on it, you have a vibration in the drive shaft. If you put a brand new you join in there and you drive it and you say, wow, you know, I got a, I got a vibration in this thing. Pull that rear U joint out, drop it down, pull the cap off again, real gentle. It's a brand new U joint. You pull the cap off of it. You take a paper towel and you wipe the trunnion down. That's what the U joint cap goes on. If it's got streaks in it, 
scars on the trunnion, your drive shaft is shaking. Whether you didn't center the U-joint when you put it in, which is very critical, or you over-torqued the retainer straps. Those retainer straps is equivalent to about a five-inch, little quarter-inch wrench by your hand, just tighten it up and leave it alone because you've got 15 pounds is the maximum torque on that. If you put it any tighter, the metal will try to lock down on the bearings, and the bearings will cause a vibration and marking of the trunnion, and the, the trunnions do not fix themselves. They just keep getting worse because nothing can rotate like they're supposed to, and it can't circulate the inside grease around them. Uh, if you buy a U-joint at a, a parts house, and it's got a grease dirt on it. The stuff that they have in it, they used to put Cosmoline in it just to assemble it. And, it, in, case, and in case you start it up, it'll have a little bit of grease in it. When you put those brand-new U-joints in it, you take your grease gun and you grease those U-joints. Once they're in a vehicle, you grease those U-joints up. because, And you do that about once a year on a drive shaft. And you shouldn't have any problems. If you don't, you've got about 30 days running time on that drive shaft, that new U-joint that you didn't bother putting grease in. So when you get it, a couple of shots of grease in them. Try not to blow the seals out. But just a couple of a couple of squirts of grease is enough to service that U-joint. But, uh, you know, you just kind of push it in until you see the seal starts to move a little bit, and then you quit. Don't push, the, don't break the seals. Just just put them in a two or three. You can always go back and put more in it later on if you want to, but that way it'll save you some money on drive shaft repairs. We can balance three-piece drive shafts, like come out of box cars, up to 25 foot long. I have the lathe, I have the computers, and we can balance them at one time, all three pieces, like the factory did when they put them together. So. All right, we're about out of time, Jim. You got any lights you want to shine on anything I've just said? Oh, one one last quick thing on your on the drive shaft U uh, joints. If you're um, if, when you're doing your quick inspection, if the straps look bad, buy new ones. They're cheap. It's if they get people don't understand they do get stretched during normal during normal use. And um, they that won't allow the U-joint to sit snugly in the yoke. So buy a new strap if you have That's to. That's right. That's Other right. than that, I think we're out of time, right, well, Jerry. Yeah, we're about time. Got to roll this thing up, you know, for another Saturday morning. It's been fun. I hope you were able to pick up something from the show, which you did. And um, until next week, thanks, Jim, for being on with me today. We will thanks, talk Jerry to you next me. week. God bless. Drive safe. Bye-bye.